You're listening to the Longer Haul Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston and Chris Trent. Episode number 74. Q-R-S-T-U-V-W-X-Y-N-Z. That was beautiful. Welcome to the Longer Haul Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now, your hosts, Jody Livingston and Chris Trent. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thanks for making this podcast today a part of your day. We especially want to welcome you if it's your first time checking out the show. We are glad you are here. This is a packed episode for sure. And if you're one of our loyal listeners, yeah. If you have nothing else to do and you're listening to this by default, well, thanks for hanging in there with us and still listening. Uh, If you enjoy this podcast, find this one especially helpful, which, man, I really don't know how you wouldn't. Uh, We would love for you to share it with somebody else you think would find it helpful. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get each episode each week as they come out. All that good stuff. And, uh, man, it's good, right? This oh, is good. Dude, I love it, man. So, hey, this is Jody Livingston on the other side there. I'm Chris Trent, and we are a couple of youth pastors uh, working in the Atlanta, Georgia area. We don't work at the same church, but we're pretty close uh, in the same area. See each other every once in a while in person, but most of the time we're sitting in our living rooms uh, doing these recordings. Mainly, we just love teenagers and have both been doing it for a little while and decided to hang out with you, the listener, and hopefully equip you and help you to experience the longer haul in youth ministry, not just long-term doing youth ministry, but also at your, at your church experience longevity in the church that you're currently serving in. Indeed. Uh, all the links resources we mentioned today, you'll find at the show notes page at the longer slash episode zero seven four. That's the longer slash episode zero seven four. Four. You can also connect with us and find us all across social media at Jody Livingston, that's with a Y, at Chris Trent, or whatever. And of course, over on the Facebook page at The Longer Hall and the Super Secret Podcast Group that you should join. Um, so, yeah. So, you're yeah, doing good. Podcast Crazy. Group, man. Podcast groups where you win some prizes. That's what you need to know about a podcast oh. group. Yeah, we're giving away a whole bunch of stuff. We even we have a little giveaway today at the end. So Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Definitely want to make sure you stick around for that, for sure. Mm. Uh, man, this, this, this is a good one. Yeah, so here's a question for you, Jody, in light of what we're talking about today. Because um, we're talking about Gen Z, you know, and the current generation and what current generation's like and all that. I'm curious uh, what... You know, b- back whenever people would have been studying your generation, like what kind of teenager were you? When they were studying my generation. Well, it depends because so I would have been in your youth group. Yeah, thanks for that. So you could, I appreciate you that. could, you could probably tell me a lot more about my generation than I could. <laughs> true, actually. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I kind of fall on the end. So I was born in 80. So some people would throw me into the millennial, the tail end of the millennials. I don't think I really fit the mold no, on that. No, 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 no. And then, uh, you know, so I'm kind of on the fence either way. 
So you're a little bit Gen Z. Not Gen Z, I'm sorry. Gen X. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just living the dream, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One one day at a time. So well, what X kind of kid X were you? You're not answering the question. Were you like a band nerd? What were you? I was an asthmatic who went to asthma camp. That's not true. That is true. 100% true. Asthma camp. Horrific experience. I was like 10 <laughs> years old and my mom said, you're going to asthma camp. And so they took a whole bunch of kids with asthma. They put us in the woods with everything that we were allergic to for like a week. And we did all these like weird nature hikes and we we're all like having to take our inhalers and allergy shots. And I remember this guy came in with like two five gallon buckets that had like lungs in them. And he pulled one out and he's like, this is a healthy lung. And he threw it in a bucket of water and he's like, and it floats. And he took another one out and he said, this is an unhealthy lung like yours. And it sank in the bucket. And I was like, dang it. That's why I can't swim. And this guy, <laughs> there was this, there was an older kid in the same cabin with me who was like the top bunk. And he was all into um, like uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So the whole week he's talking wiz wizards and warlocks and spells and I'm like 10 years old, man. I'm terrified, terrified. And then we go on this this net, this hike at night and he's behind me, you know, and I'm like, dang, this is how I die at asthma camp in the woods by Mr. Dungeons and Dragons. It was a horrible experience. It's wild to me that asthma camp is a thing, but, you know, I mean, I, for people to have, have asthma, I'm sure it's a real deal. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty wild. That's my that's my that's my childhood in a summary right there. That that one experience summarizes so much about what's wrong with me. It's good. I survived it. And I learned how to swim. So there you go. That's great, dude. That you learn how to swim. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. How about you? I mean, you're I mean, I'm like, a total, I mean, I'm a total Gen Xer. I mean, I'm right in the middle, you know, grew up in the eighties and wore parachute pants and tight rolled my jeans and acid washed really? jeans and watched MTV when it first came out and, you know, just lived that whole scene, man. Yeah. So cable TV. I remember when we got cable TV, I mean, all those things shaped who I was big time, big time, big time, big time. You that know? was back like when, every, when the whole world was in black and white. Right, not yeah. just, not just TV, but everything. Well, no, I didn't. We had color TV, boy. What are you talking about? Black and white TV. I never lived in black and white TV. I'm not that old. I'm so, talking about, but cable was a big deal, man. Getting cable oh, TV, yeah. dude, that was humongous for us. So, it's funny. So generations, I mean, like they're important, you know. Like, and every every student pastor deals with the generation that comes along which is most yeah. likely not the generation that they have experienced firsthand so yeah most yeah i think that's probably true i think most of the time you are i mean even if you start youth ministry in your early 20s even like typically things are starting to change a little bit and um the kids you know are different and i don't know man i, I just think what's great about this conversation we're about that you're going to listen to here in a few minutes um is we really dig into that. So, yeah. Hey, uh, before Good. we jump into it, can we mention our amazing friends over at YM360? Absolutely. Yeah. So they are Youth Ministry 360. These guys are out of Birmingham, Alabama. A couple of guys started YM360 uh, mainly as a 
as a ministry to really do curriculum and really help folks in youth ministry by giving them and providing great resources. And so it slowly grew into just this amazing group of folks that do incredible work. So tons of resources, curriculum like Sunday morning, Bible study curriculum, D-Now curriculum, uh, books, uh, devotionals, uh, youth camp now as well. So they've got events. They've got this amazing preaching camp. They're not camp, but preaching conference thing that they, they, they travel around and do as well. And it's phenomenal. I'm, I'm just saying it, it, it's not on a lot of people's radar necessarily. I mean, they, they're, they're getting more and more well-known, but if you're listening and you're, you're in the man, you're need, you're needing some curriculum, consider why I'm 360. These guys really are good. And we use a lot of their stuff, Jody. I've used their stuff. Yeah. You've used their yeah. stuff. I do camp with why I'm 360. Think the world of them. And so, um, so yeah, check them out. It's, it's good. good. Yep. So head over to, there for you too. Yeah. head over to YM360.com, check them out. And because you are a listener of the longer haul, you can save yourself 20% on your next order by using the promo code longer haul. We don't think that works on camp. I don't think it does. But I think it's worth a try. <laughs> Just, you got to stop saying that. You really have to stop saying that. <laughs> So these guys are helping us. So, (laughs) oh my gosh! Hey, so uh, the the interview today. Back to interview real quick. So Jody, kudos to you, man. For so Jody, you were on a panel discussion. I think somebody accidentally invited you to, and um, (laughs) yeah, 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 that's the truth. (laughs) And uh, when you when you were telling me who was all on the panel, I was like wait what and so anyway but you got to know this gal and she's amazing tell us about who how you met her and you met brooke and then we'll jump into the interview because it's super awesome yeah so i accidentally no i don't know if it was an accident it felt like an accident i got invited to participate in a panel discussion on generation z gen z with uh for christianity today and uh yeah i was (laughs) i'm not sure why they asked me to come really because i was not i was the least intelligent person present um but it was fascinating it was great and so brooke hempel is is our guest today on the show and uh, she is a senior vice president of research for the barna group and so literally on the cutting edge of all of the research that's coming out right now on on this and so yeah after the after the panel that we we did there we i just reached out and said hey we'd love to have you come on the show and talk about this we've got a some listeners that would really benefit from it and she was kind and gracious enough to give up her time and to join us and man she just drops like knowledge crazy knowledge on us yeah it's good over, i really enjoyed this interview matter of fact i'll say this too and, and jody i told you this before we started and um you know of all the interviews we've done yeah i think most of them really are geared towards youth pastors or whether that be part-time full-time or even volunteer youth pastors that are really leading groups but I'm going to probably be sending this. And if I do, they're going to be listening to this moment right now going, wait, what? Um, yeah. But my youth workers, man, because I, I just think this is super helpful. Hey, if you if you are one of my youth workers that I sent this to, hey, what up? Thanks for helping me out, by the way. Um, thanks for serving in our student ministry. I love you guys. Uh, but for real, um, I think that you could really send this to your youth workers, your volunteers, and they'd benefit from this because it's a really great discussion. So good yeah, times. it's great. 
she's great. She brings tons of knowledge, like I said, to this, to the table. A bunch of resources mentioned at the end and and a giveaway. So Yes, giveaway at the end. It's fantastic. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Well, let's All right, jump in, you bro. ready? Let's jump in here. All right, here we go. And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. Well, hey, Brooke, welcome to the show. Uh, man, we're glad you're here. We've been talking about this for a few weeks now. And so we're uh, we're excited to have you excited about the topic today. Again, I feel like we say this every week, but super, super important um, for us. So thanks for taking some time out of your day to jump on here and put up with us. Sure, thanks for having me. Um, hey, for those who are listening who may not be familiar with you or kind of what you do, you want to take a couple minutes and kind of Maybe introduce yourself a little bit about uh, your background history and what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I'll start with Barna Group. Um, so for those who may not be as familiar with Barna Group, um, Barna has been around for three and a half decades at this point, tracking how people think and feel about um, spiritual topics and about culture. And so what we've, what we've done for, for decades is ask people questions about their beliefs and their opinions about uh, different faiths and their opinions about culture in general and how they engage. And we kind of watch um, what's happening spiritually in our country. And uh, the great thing about being part of this team um, is that it's made up of all super solid believers who are engaged in their church in so many ways. And so rather than just being, being a research think tank, it's a bunch of believers who are tracking what's happening and why that matters to the church. Um, so we are, are really grateful to be able to do that work and to kind of see um, what's happening in the world around us and how do we speak in that environment, in that culture. Um, so my role in particular, I oversee all of our research studies that we do, and some of those are not published. So we work with different nonprofit organizations and ministries, um, and some of them are published. And so we put out probably an average a book a month of some sort of study we've done on different topics. And in this case, Gen Z, um, we did some research on Gen Z about a year ago. We did a really deep dive on uh, understanding teens today and what's unique about their generation, not just teens. And so um, that was uh, a combination of focus groups and surveys of teens and parents and youth pastors. And so we just learned a lot about this topic. And I just really love that we get to dive in and understand what's happening in our times so that those in the church will know what to do about that. Yeah, that's good. That's great. I, I, I remember whenever Barna was really just getting started, Brooke, and, and I, is that because, because you're been, like ridiculously yes, old? It is true. <laughs> uh, but, but she I tell you what I remember decades. She said, yeah, I know, but here's what I remember most. Um, it felt like whenever y'all started doing what you were doing, it was sort of the first really authoritative, well done approach that was happening in the church. And I just remember in the, in the nineties, you know, as a youth pastor, having conversations around our staff meetings based on information that we were seeing come out, you know, from y'all study. So it has been, it's been awesome, uh, you know, all these years. Hey, here's what I'm wondering, Brooke, um, maybe as just kind of a launching pad into this conversation, wondering if you could talk for a second, because um, I've been guilty in the past, personally, of kind of having an attitude of, 
and it's been a while that I, that I had this, but but having that attitude of you know students will be students, teenagers will be teenagers. So I wonder if you could talk for a second why why is it important that we be a student of our students? Mm. Uh, why is it important for youth pastors to understand the trends like we discover in a book like the Gen Z book that you guys just released? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is really um, an important question, and this is why we do what we do, which is there are some things that are eternal about us as human beings. Um, they are the way that God made us and wired us, and those things don't change. Um, those are kind of hardwired parts of our brains and our bodies and the way they develop. Uh, but those things develop in a cultural context. And that's why this, this idea of generational science, if you call it that, is probably more art than science. Um, but studying generations really matters because the concept behind it is you understand the, the culture and the society and all of the forces that shape them that they grew up in and how that impacts the way that they look at the world and interact with the world. And even in the case of this generation, there is some degree of how it's actually impacted their brain's development because of technology, which is pretty remarkable. Mm. Um, So it is really important to study the context in which kids have grown up. And that has shifted massively in our country. Um, We've seen in the last 10 years that it's almost like this tipping point of a lot of really dramatic changes have happened in our legal system in our societal structures, in kind of the way people associate themselves with different identities. So much has shifted that's very different than it was, say, 30 years ago. So basically, previous generation grew up totally differently. And so as parents, and I'm a parent of Gen Z kids, as parents, if I lean on what I knew about being a teen from my teenage years, There's some things that are going to be similar in terms of social dynamics, but there's some things that are really, really foreign to me. And if I don't study those well, I can't give my kids guidance that is relevant to the situations they're in. And this is totally a biblical principle. This is why we do what we do at Barna, that, um, you know, Paul would go into a city and he would study the culture and he would try to speak to them in a way that was relevant, right? He would notice the gods that they worshiped and he would notice where they spent their time and he would adjust to that. And similarly, way back in the Old Testament, um, this is one of the core um, kind of principles of Barna is there was there was a tribe of Issachar um, who was known as the wise counselors, and they would study the time, study the culture, and advise on what to do. And so we see that as an important part of the church. Um, Truth is in scripture, and we absolutely want to lead with that. But if we don't surround it by a knowledge of where people are in the society and culture, it's just not going to resonate with them. And so that's even more important with today's teens and youth who are growing up in such a different context than their parents. Yeah. Like, um, and I think folks, as you're listening, why this is so important is when we think of, you know, mine and Jody's ultimate platform is a youth ministry for the long haul. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think Jody and I would both quickly say, and Brooke, it's what you're saying is, man, if, if you want to do youth ministry long-term, it's going to be important that you're as much of an expert on your students as you possibly can be, because that's going to bring validity to the ministry that you're doing. It's going to help you do a better job at what you're doing. And parents are going to value what you're saying even more. And I would even say this for the uh, younger 
youth pastors that struggle with the not getting your respect from you know from parents at times because they don't have kids being a student of these type of books will help you bring validity to what you're doing it it'll yeah. bring expertise in what you're doing and other other folks will 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 see there's value even though maybe you don't have kids they they know that you are being a student of their children yeah and and that's that's huge just in general brooke when you when we start talking about like uh studying generations how how do you define those like where do you say oh this is where generation begins and this is where one ends like what are the Mm -hmm. markers there yeah it takes us some time um kind of sociologists it takes them some time to decide where to set those markers uh and usually they're kind of within a range of a few years and they slowly, you know, get defined over time. Um, But generally we can't begin to know a generation until they reach adulthood. So that's why we're studying Gen Z right now because they're just reaching adulthood right now that the oldest Gen Z um, kids are 20, right? They're actually, actually now adults. And so we can actually see as they begin to do things on their own, uh, what their culture that they've grown up in has done to shape them. But in terms of drawing those lines, you know, it's interesting. It used to be generations were 30 or 25 or 20 years um, in in span, having to do with a lot of world events and media influence and things like that. And the generations keep getting shorter. So millennials is only a 15-year span from 84 to 98, roughly. Um, You know, people don't – it's not a hard and fast number, but roughly that's where people would set it, which has to do with kind of world cultural events and, and things that have happened during their lifetime. Um, and it keeps getting shorter. I don't know where we're going to draw the line on Gen Z, but it might only be 10 years because this, this uh, speed of technology and media at connecting our world and impacting us and just changing our world um, is, is increasing every, every uh, generation. So it's not an exact science. That's why I say it's the art and the science of generations. Um, <laughs> mm. you know, there's, no, there's no authority on it. Uh, but social researchers just generally start to publish what they're finding and start to talk about, okay, here's what we're seeing and kind of come to a bit of a consensus, a public consensus about where to draw those markers. But what's really clear about this group, this is what defines them really well, is that, um, and I'm giving away all the thunder, but uh, the iPhone came out in 2007. And so that has shaped these young people. And that was a big influencer on where we drew the mark, that these kids were kids when the iPhone came out and grew up with it. So they're different than people who adopted technology or adopted, you know, computers and social media later, they grew up, it literally has shaped their brains. And so that was one of the reasons the line has become clearer for this generation is that that very, very powerful force that has influenced them. So for a Gen Z then, and again, I know there's a a window here, but generally where are we looking as far as we're saying that they are born between 1999 and 2015. Now that 2015 may get moved up, but um, roughly right now we're saying those who are 20 years old and younger. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's right in where everybody's working right now. Student ministry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so are there, I mean, obviously the um, iPhone's a big technology is a big driver for this generation. What is how is that affecting? Like, what are some major takeaways there that we're seeing in terms of how that's affecting them? Yeah, um, so many ways. 
it's it's really remarkable to think about all the different ways that it has shaped people. And I, I want to first start with, it is a tool and it is a powerful tool that can be used for good. <laughs> but we have to recognize also the things that are happening that we didn't intend. Um, any media shapes kids. In fact, uh, there's a Harvard professor called um, the Mediatrician who has studied media and kids forever. And he says, there is no such thing as non-educational media. Every media is educational. So mm. <laughs> every piece of technology is educational in one way or another. Um, what's interesting about the iPhone and, and the technology that it unleashes is um, it isolates. So that's one factor. So there is social connection, but it's digital. It's not face-to-face and it's not physical. And so that is something that our brains aren't used to dealing with. Um, it is creating this whole new environment or world that doesn't have the same normative rules that we have in our kind of tangible society, right? So things happen yeah. on the on that platform that may not happen if you were face-to-face in a community. Um, so that's really powerful because there can be some very strong social influences through that window. Um, and then there's just the reality of um, the interactivity of technology and the fact that... Um, not just kids, but anyone, any human who uses uh, an iPhone or some sort of technology like this is um, is able to find anything instantly and is able to get access to all sorts of information and tools. That sounds awesome, except that also it makes us less patient. And, and it's not just patience. It's actually that um, the ability for our brains to keep looking for something, to work hard at something diminishes when we're used to instant gratification. And so a lot of these kids have grown up finding instant results. And if they can't get an instant answer to something, they're kind of stuck. Like they don't know what to do <laughs> um, and they, and they give up. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a big challenge. So there's those sorts of social dynamics. There's kind of little, little really cognitive and memory functions that are not being developed because they're interacting in that way. Um, and then there's uh, the kind of psychological factors that go along with that, which is, a lot of technology, especially games, are wired to kind of give you this feeling of reward every time you make the next level or you accomplish something. And when kids do that at a young age, they begin to develop these hits of dopamine in their brains that give them these good feelings. And it's, I'm not going to call it full on addiction, but it mimics an addiction um, where it's like, I got to get to the next thing. I got to get to this thing. And, and it actually creates this overstimulation of dopamine that makes makes it easy for them to have anxiety and depression as a result because when they interact with the real world and they don't get that sort of feedback they get disappointed it's easy at times for us as parents you know and all three of us are parents at this point and and i think we would all admit that prior to having kids you know (laughs) we had strong opinions about parents but now that we are parents trying to deal with ourselves we're kind of like okay it's actually hard (laughs) Uh, what I was going to ask related to that, though, Brooke, do, do you everything I'm hearing you say, do you have any indication that parents are starting to grasp how important this technology is? Are, are they getting any better? Yeah. Um, with understanding and fixing and doing and helping kids cope? Yeah. So I think this is what's really hard. And this is where you say it's important to, to study your students. It is hard for parents to navigate this because oftentimes their kids are using apps that they don't understand or, or not familiar with and don't know how to navigate. And 
and kids can hack a phone like nobody's business and the parent may not have any idea. So <laughs> um, I won't tell you some of the crazy stories of kids doing that, but yes, it, there's a lot of that that happens. So I think that parents have been awakened to this. I think in particular, they've seen cyberbullying. Um, many schools have really struggled with this. And, and so I think a lot of parents of teens especially are more awakened to it. Um, those with younger kids are beginning to hear more and more about this, especially even as technology companies are actually kind of admitting we're having a problem with this. Um, pediatricians are being more um, mindful about it and asking parents about it or warning new parents, you know, they, they used to not even say anything. And now I notice when I go to see my pediatrician, they check that my eight-year-old's not spending much time on the phone or, or, or whatever screen. Um, and, and pediatricians will say a child shouldn't even look at a screen until they're three, which is really shocking to a lot of parents because there's a lot of toddlers holding iPhones, right? Um, so I think there's, there's beginning to be an awakening there. And also there's a lot of, I think, good social pressures happening. Um, there's a great... Uh, kind of contract that some schools enter into or the parents do called wait till eight, which is they wait until eighth grade to give their kids an actual iPhone or some sort of smartphone. And they make a contract with the other parents that they're all going to do this, you know, for the protection of their kids. 10 um, years ago, that would have sounded crazy. Right. <laughs> like, like 10 years ago, you'd have been like eight. How about wait till 15? Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. But now it doesn't sound so unusual. That's yeah. what's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think I think parents are beginning to wake up. But I also think the reality is, again, the technology moves so fast. This is what's hard as a parent to navigate and help your child manage and navigate is just when you've got it figured out, then the next thing comes up and you're like, OK, what is this and what are the implications of this thing? And I got to figure this out. So it takes a lot of intentionality. But the great thing is and, and the opportunity for those who work with students, whether they're parents or youth leaders, is you don't have to figure it out and then tell the kids what to do. That's not the way it needs to be. This is a symbiotic relationship. This is a, hey, share with me what you're exploring here. Let me understand it and learn it. Let them teach you. And then um, let's figure out what the pros and cons of this might be or how, what we might need to do to safeguard our minds and our hearts as we explore this world. Yeah, I think I think uh, more than ever, parenting is more coaching than yeah than demanding or dictating. Uh, and I think that part has always been true for teenagers, right? The ones who rebel are the ones who go, yeah, they always tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, right. But if we look at it as we're in this together and we're navigating this world together, that's a great way to develop your kids independence. Yeah. And I th yeah, totally. And I, and I've said to my, I've said literally Brooke to my kids, I don't know if Brooke, you and Jody have said this, but I've said to my, my son before something to the effect of, dude, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just trying work with me here. Yeah. We've got to figure this out together. Like I'm trying, I'm still in charge, but I am trying yeah. to do what's best for you, man. Just help me out. Like we're in this together. Yeah. And, uh, it's so huge. I think that's winsome, especially when they hit that preteen age and into their teens. You know, yeah, I didn't tell him that when he was five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, we could get hung up on technology for a while. We could probably do a whole, t whole, whole talk on technology just for the sake of moving things along a little bit yeah. to make sure we don't miss anything. Um, I'm wondering what what are some other things, Brooke, that, that you're seeing 
in Gen Z that you maybe think youth pastors really need to be paying attention to? Mm. Are there some other things that you're like, that, that as you guys are having conversations, uh, you and your team, that you're like, man, I hope, I hope people are paying attention to this because this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. There's a few things and they're subtle. So that's what's hard. Um, because you may see the outward impact of some of these subtle forces and, and not put your finger on what's going on underneath, which is why we got to study our kids. Um, but they, they have a lot to do with identity, I would say. Um, because we, and I'm going to make some leaps here about assumptions about our culture, but this is what we see. Uh, because we live in or our kids are growing up in what I will call a post-Christian environment, it is no longer Christianity is the majority and the, the rules around which the country operates, right? Yeah, so because sure. they're growing up in that, they're exposed to worldviews that are very different and value different things. And one of the common things that they uh, kind of experience and live in every day is that there is no sense of truth. That's not just true for teens. That's true for everybody. <laughs> like, what is truth? Truth is relative. Um, it, your truth is different than my truth, and that's okay. We can live in that that kind of weird um, disconnect and be okay with it. That causes a lot of problems when teens are struggling for their identity, and that's exactly what teens are doing, is struggling for their identity. They're trying to figure out, who am I? And what am I going to be in this world? And what value do I have? And so all these forces are shaping them, but it's not clear who's the authority on anything because there isn't a clear sense of truth. So that then plays out in terms of psychology. And so many of them struggle with anxiety and depression more than ever before. Um, And there's debates on the statistics there. But like, I will say that I've had a ton of youth pastors come to me and say, oh my goodness, we were seeing all these psychological disorders in our group and we thought it was crazy and it's apparently normal. Um, It comes out in terms of the... um, the kind of the goals they have for their life. So a lot of their identity is who they build themselves to be, right? They're like managing the brand me. Um, so that means I've got to, you know, work towards the right career. I've got to define myself as an artist or whatever that may be. I've got to choose what defines me because it's no longer just the family I was born into or the religion I am or where I'm from. That's no longer the major shaping identity factor. And then it comes up a lot in sexuality. And this is something we know to be true. I mean, we've seen it in our country that's shifted in the last five years in a major way. But teens are growing up in a world where there is no such thing as clarity on gender. Um, When we did this study of teens, we were a little nervous because we wanted to ask them about perceptions of gender identity. And it turns out that in the state of New York, there are 52 recognized gender identities Mm. And if you don't ask someone about or recognize their, their stated identity, you can actually get sued by the state in a huge way. <laughs> so, I mean, the fact that, you know, there is such a thing as anything other than male and female is really kind of foreign, relatively foreign to most people inside the church who are parents. But that's completely not the world that our, our teens are growing up in. It's very fluid. Um, so all these things have to do with identity. And... That is something the Bible has a lot to say about. And there's beautiful hope and truth about identity. But the outside of that, the world is, is causing kids to be just reeling with questions about identity, even more so than is normal at this age where they're already wondering about who am I? Yeah, I think, I mean, how do you think, because so here's the thing that I hear a lot or I see a lot, or let me back up, let me say it this way. Oftentimes, when I am hearing now uh, people presenting on 
Gen Z in particular. Chris and I were at a conference a while back and uh, kind of one of the keynotes presents on Gen, Gen Z. It's like this doomsday scenario of yeah. all of these things that are that are going wrong and how the church is failing and how difficult it's going to be to reach this generation. And it's like you, you walk out feeling that anxiety and depression mm-hmm. you know, like almost like a hopeless situation mm-hmm. but i mean as somebody who's spending a ton of time both with churches and kind of surveying and figuring out this generation kind of what do you think in regards to that like do you see this as like this doomsday thing do you see this as you know opportunity like where do you fall in that like what would you yeah. say to somebody who's listening going oh my goodness how are we ever going to be able to do please that? please yeah. don't respond with we're screwed please don't say that <laughs> please, please Brooke, we need you to give us more than that Brooke, we need you to give us more okay it's okay well, if, if you say that i'll just edit it out <laughs> so it's like, and we're a little pg-13 like, around here at times so yeah <laughs> I will admit that we have the reputation for being bad news, Barna, <laughs> but <laughs> it's not untrue, right? So, I mean, it's real. There are some there are some forces, you know, that are shaping and shaking the church in a massive way that is hard and painful, but really good. I see really good. So we're no longer in a place where we can just assume all of culture around us is just going to get in line and do the Christian thing because that's what you do. Great, because that's not what God wanted us to do in the first place. <laughs> he wanted us right. to know him and love him in a way that's really different from our human structures, right? So I I get excited about that. But the problem is you got to bridge the gap, right? Because our kids are still living in Babylon. Well, you know, we might have grown up in Jerusalem and we're used to this Christian context. Our kids are growing up in Babylon, but there is huge hope, um, especially if we are parents or teachers or leaders of, youth in a Christian context, we have an opportunity to share the best hope there is. So if what they're struggling with is identity in any of the different forms that it comes out, the fact that we can share their identity in Christ, the fact that there is a God who not only knows them, but made them and knows every hair on their head and loves them so much that he would just absolutely give up anything to rescue them and bring them into his world. Like, Wow, that is an incredible hope. And I think that stands in in brighter contrast now in the world that they're in than it did 30 years ago, where it's like, no, it's pretty good here. I don't need any rescuing. (laughs) I'm fine. Um, So I think actually it's both, right? There is a little bit of a doomsday scenario in terms of the way that the church was is not the way that it is, but that light shines brighter in the darkness, so I think of the scripture that kept coming in my mind as we were doing this study, because I would get my my anxiety and my blood pressure would start going. You know, I was like, I got to step right, away. Right. I got to take a deep breath because <laughs> this is crazy. Um, but the scripture that I just kept just kept going in my head was Jonah. And he did not want to go into Nineveh because he said, those are bad people doing bad things. Like, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> just judge them. And God said, why would I not care for that great city? Like they don't know their right hand from their left, but I care for them. And I'm going to send someone in to tell them about me so that they can know their right from their left. So they can know what truth is and they can know what hope is. 
And, and what's great about that story too, is that Jonah was this very unwilling prophet who also himself was judged in the process. That's not unlike the church today, right? Um, right. that we don't want to bear that news. We don't want to get into the mess, but wow, we have incredible news to share. And so I, I get excited about that because I think people are going to be drawn to that light even more so when you're shining in darkness. Brooke, I, I don't know how old your kids are, um, but I'm, I'm here. Here's a question for you. If your kids were in a youth ministry, considering you know all of the information you know and all you know, because of all the work you've done, and you're you know dropping off your kids at a church, and that church is having that youth group is having an impact, or that youth pastor is having an impact on your kids, what would you be hoping that he or she would be as a result of all this? Um, really leaning, leaning in on, um, maybe another way to ask that would be, what do you recommend considering this, you know, information that we're learning here that we would really pay more attention to? You talked about identity, for example, you know, um, when it comes to the things we're teaching, when it comes to the type of events that we're doing or the way we're doing events. Yeah. Well, you, and you just hit the nail on the head right there. Um, events are not enough to change, to stand out in this culture, not enough to change a child or a teen. Um, and I think that's kind of been historically how the church has done youth. And it's great um, to have something that draws in someone who's not part of a church. Um, so it kind of gives them a reason to come. But honestly, in this day and age, there's so many things they could be doing that whatever event we could dream up is probably not going to be as compelling as whatever else they might want to do. But what really connects with them is someone who notices them and knows them. And so that really, in my mind, suggests a bit of a shift of the model. Um, Two things. One, we need to speak to their heart, right? We're not just there because it's a cool, fun place to come have pizza. So, And that's kind of like historically, youth groups have really leaned on that. Um, No, you need to speak with their heart. So if they're wrestling with tough questions about how do I believe the Bible in light of science? or if they're wrestling with depression and anxiety, or if they're being bullied, or whatever is going on in their heart, and they're all experiencing something a little bit different, um, speaking to their heart and recognizing the challenges that they're facing in their culture is going to break through even more than something that's fun. And having a one-on-one connection with another adult is incredibly powerful. Um, we've seen this in our research for decades that we've tracked, you know, kind of the influencing forces on teens and their development into um, adults who carry on their faith in their life. And the power of a mentor, the power of another adult who, who sees them, who notices them, and who gets to know them is massive. And it's even more um, shaping or formative than programs that we can come up with, which is, which is hard because it's, it's hard to do that. If you think at a corporate level, we're dealing with ministry, you're thinking, what can I do? I've got 50 kids and I've got two volunteers. So what can I do? Um, but the power of building relationship is one of the few things I think that can break through in this world of theirs where there is a lot of confusion. So to be able to, to have space to listen and to share what they're, what's really on their minds, what, what they're wrestling with, I think is where you break through in ministry. And that 
for a lot of churches, that's going to mean totally rethinking the way they do youth ministry. Yeah. Well, it's almost biblical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's adults investing in those who are younger and younger in the faith. Right. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, like that has still remained to be effective despite all the stuff we've even talked about in like today, right. all the changes and all of the, the struggles and all of the challenges that ultimately it still comes back to where it started uh, in scripture. And that's people investing in people. Mm-hmm. Is there a place in there for, um, I'm just thinking of the people that are probably struggling right now, hearing this going, what do I do again then for a job? Like what is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> So I wonder, is there a place, I wonder if we could brainstorm for a second here, is there a place in that to try to just change how we do events? Maybe not throw out events altogether, but it, but right. realize that it's got to be more than, hey, we're having a big um, Nerf gun party, but somehow in the midst of that, there's got to be relationship time built in. I'm trying to put the two things together Mm -hmm. that you said. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I think, I mean, yes, it's definitely some brainstorming because every community is a little different. It's a little unique in terms of who who's coming. Right. Well, you also, we got to keep in mind there's rural, there's rural, wherever people listening, you know, we're, we're kind of sit like all the, I think the three of us talking here are kind of used to suburb city type mindset Mm -hmm. ministry. If you're living in Mm -hmm. rural Georgia or Minnesota or wherever, that's a completely different vibe uh, mm-hmm. than what we're talking about. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you know, in places where you've got scale, um, you know, you've got a, a larger group. Um, often you'll just have a lot of diversity in terms of where kids are spiritually. Um, you know, you'll have some who are just encountering Christianity for the first time. And you'll have some who've grown up in a really devout Christian household, and they're all kind of all mixed together. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, you've got some that are smaller communities where everyone knows each other, right? So it is a little different for that for that um, kind of model. But I will say that maybe one of the factors, if, if you think about literally what do I do, would be how do you build in relationship time? How do you um, stay connected in between those events? Like there may be ways. And so as much as we talked about the challenge of technology, there may be really good ways to leverage technology this way, right? Maybe you have a little prayer group on chat and you guys share your thoughts. Maybe there's, you know, one adult mentor, he's in a group with a few teens and they share their thoughts throughout the week uh, via a text thread. Um, Maybe just the nature of the talk that's, that's being given when there are gatherings changes a little bit, speaks a little bit more to the heart. Maybe you empower some students to more leadership roles, right? Maybe there are some students who really are um, gifted in kind of connecting with others and um, really have a a clear spiritual growth and maturity. And so maybe there's a way to leverage them as leaders to help connect with others. There's a lot of different ways. I I would say it doesn't mean you have to throw out the events altogether, but recognize that that's not enough. Um, and, and maybe even changing the nature of those a little bit, you know, my, my daughter was at one the other night, so she is, uh, in sixth grade, she just started middle school and she went to a sixth middle grade. school and high school. Woo-hoo. Yes. It's, it's defining. Love the sixth graders, man. Walk in <laughs> deer in the headlights. Fresh, yes. <laughs> overwhelmed. Yes. Yeah, I love them. So we're part of a pretty small community, but we took her to a, a very large church for a, a gathering of high school and middle school students. Right. So I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is big for you. Um, 
And it was, I mean, it was like a DJ and the music and the smoke and the lights. And there were, there was sweets everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it was every trick you could think of to attract the kids. But what she told me when she got in the car, I mean, she was like, wow, that was amazing. Said, what did you like about it? The sermon was so good. Uh, Why? Why was the sermon so good? Well, they talked about how, you know, it's not just about us learning about Jesus and keeping him to ourselves, but that we're in places where we get to be a light. It's like, oh my gosh, you guys just spoke deep spiritual truths to a sixth grader. These kids can take it. Yeah. You don't need to water this yeah. stuff down. They're Come ready. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So bring it. Even someone who's not a believer is going to see that and be like, wow, that's different. Yeah. I want to know more about that. You know, you don't need to water down the truth or the beauty of the gospel for teens. They're ready. Give it to them. <laughs> we've we've got it. We we've got to as youth ministry people. We've got to keep fighting for that too. I I I. It's striking a chord with me right now because I I'm, I'm blessed to be able to work with a little bit of a team and 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 literally yesterday afternoon. I, I I this was the day after. You know, it's that Thursday is always that day after Wednesday night for us in a, in a lot of youth ministry circles, you know, it's like you're in recovery mode from the Wednesday and all that. And Wednesday's not our main thing, but still there's a big, you know, big crowd for us on Wednesday nights. And, and we had, it was one of those nights at the end of the night where I personally left completely deflated in some ways. And it, and what was crazy about it was the talk was, was very good. Um, it, it wasn't mine. I didn't, and I gave it, no, I didn't give it. Um, somebody else <laughs> gave it, uh, and, uh, our, our girls associate gave it and the worship. And we, we've just tweaked some things in terms of the style of music and the way we're doing everything was just great. The fun part of the night was great at the end, but the kids, we, we were lacking something and yeah. that was the connect, the connection part. It's like they were there, but I don't think I had many kids walking away saying what your daughter said. And so we pulled together our team and just said, hey, listen, surely we're not satisfied with this. Even though we're, you know, we've got to figure out how to help these middle school students flip that switch and not just be kind of like woohoo in the room, but right. to dial in what's actually being said and the importance of what's being said. And, uh, cause man, they can get fun event driven stuff kind of anywhere, anywhere, right? Everybody's yeah. good at it. I mean, every organization's pretty decent at it now. And, uh, that's really changed. I think that's changed. I, I think for a long time, the church youth group was kind of the one place you could get that, you know, mm -hmm. um, it wasn't everywhere, but now any organization, any club can pull off a fun game, you know, or whatever, yeah. um, and have good lights and good, good stuff. So yeah, man, it's good stuff. Hey, I wonder how much, Brooke, how much do you think, like, I, I'm just listening to you talk about what your daughter's saying and how that resonated. How much of that is reflective of a generation that's very cause driven mm. in the sense of like purpose and wanting to see the world changed and unwilling to like weight on others. Is that, do you see that in this generation? I do. Um, it is a little hard to disaggregate that from life stage. Cause I know that 
generally that's where change happens in our world. Um, those college students who decided to hold the sit-in or whatever, you know, that's, that is a consistency across generation. But there is something different about this generation. I think, um, I think part of it is that they, they, see, um, they see things that are not nice on, you know, in, in their virtual environments. And then they were, so they're exposed to more that's unpalatable. Um, than we would just in our regular community, right? And so that stirs their heart. And in some ways, I think you almost need to give them that outlet. Well, I gotta, I gotta be a part of doing something about this because I can't just if I let it happen. That makes us callous, and you know that's that's not good for our schools. <laughs> um, so I do think I do think that only because I think they're exposed to more. Uh, so I think that's a natural response that a lot of young people have and and want is to be a part of something. Like it's no longer about me. How can I be about others um, right. when you become, you know, when you're, when you're coming into adulthood? So I think that's a, a natural response, but I think there's a great opportunity for us to tap into that um, and help develop that sense of others. Because also at the same time, there's a different narrative the world is putting out to them, which is you've got to have the perfect resume. You've got to do this sport and this musical activity and you know you need to know Chinese and you need to do this so that you can have a great career and security and that you can be famous. Like 25% of them think they want to be famous, um, which is crazy. <laughs> hmm. And all this. And so there's this, there's this achievement mentality in our world as well. And the achievement is all about me, right? And so if we can counterbalance that by tapping into what also they have, which is a desire for social good and social change. Um, that's a wonderful way to channel that energy away from their kind of self selfless or selfishness that, and with selflessness. In the Gen Z study, y'all talked about youth pastors for a minute and page 88 of the Gen Z book talks about youth pastors, uh, biggest struggles in ministry. Yeah. And, um, so, and it's kind of, you know, and I kind of looked through that a little bit just to kind of prepare for, for the interview a little bit, you know, and I, I don't know that there's any major surprises there. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, number one is biggest struggles in ministry. Number one is parents not prioritizing their teen spiritual growth, mm -hmm. um, lack of consistent uh, participation and doing what the world teaches them, um, mm -hmm. balancing the needs of unchurched teens with growing uh, those who do have a faith. Um, but that said, do, do you, have y'all had much conversation about that particular area? Does any of that resonate with you and any advice yeah. to pastors, youth pastors? Yeah, I would say that what we found and what we heard from youth pastors was nothing was totally surprising, but I think maybe the magnitude was greater than we expected. Right. So, you know, we hear that's one of the biggest challenges when, when the church and the parents are not on the same page about how to, to kind of approach spiritual growth. Um, and I kind of expected that to be common, but two thirds of them said that is the number one problem. <laughs> so that's, that's a lot. Um, that, I think that's a, that's something where the church or the, the youth ministry has an opportunity to educate parents. I think parents are also just like we talked about the church, not being aware of how much the culture has changed around us and we need to adjust. Parents are not aware how much the culture has changed and they need to adjust that they can't just go to Sunday or go to church every Sunday and like my kid's going to grow up a Christian. Absolutely not. You are battling forces every day and you have to be like, as a parent, you have to be thinking Deuteronomy six, every moment that I have, we are talking about 
how God is here on this earth with us and what, you know, everything that we interact with is like, well, how will we see that through God's lens? Right. Um, I don't think parents are consistently aware of that or uh, intentional about that. And just as much as we lament the devices distracting our kids, the devices distract parents. So those moments of intentionality that just, you know, in the quiet space, we suddenly notice something, we talk about it, and that helps us to keep our focus on learning all the time. Um, Those things don't happen as much because we fill those quiet spaces with looking at our phones. So I think there's a lot to um, offer, the church can offer to parents, right? Instead of lamenting that, you know, the parents are on the same page, actually, let's help parents because they probably don't realize, just like you said, Chris, like, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> right? <laughs> let's just own up to that and, and help parents. There's a ton that I think parents would really get value out of. They're struggling with their kids. They're wondering how to, how to reach them, how to bridge gaps. Can we equip parents to be continuing our ministry through the week? in all those moments in between. And so that's a very different channel um, of influencing kids, but I think is a really powerful one um, that can make sure that there's consistency throughout the week. Yeah, that, that is, that's great stuff. Mm. Getting, getting plugged in with the parents, man, like um, one question that's coming to my mind right now, Brooke, I'm just wondering, um, it feels like more more than ever. Have I lost y'all? You guys there? Yep. Hoop. Yeah, we're here. Oh gosh, I just <laughs> wait on you to pontificate. We're Dang, hanging man. on every word. I was just so. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I was in the zone and I ruined it. Dog gone it. Welcome to my world. <laughs> no, I, here, here's what I. He, he, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed as I hear all of this because part of me makes part of this makes me go, my goodness, we we've got to be more on our A game as youth pastors than ever before. Um, Mm. Is it a stretch to say, Brooke, that because things are more complicated with teenagers now than ever, that when it comes to being able to equip parents, you know, or help kids navigate all these things that we've, it goes back to what we started with, which is, we really have to be more than ever before. We have to be students of students, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so. Well, I think what I'm hearing and what I keep thinking of as we're talking is, I think as student pastors, we're, we just have to be really, really intentional yeah. in what, in everything that we're doing. Yeah. Um, and maybe that hasn't always been the case, right? Maybe in the past we could just show up and, kind of have a, a, a game and a plan and a, a few songs, and, you know, and, you know, we'd spend some time studying and, and now, I mean, it's, I think we have to be much more strategic in what we're doing and much more intentional in even how we're approaching that. And it, it, it does go beyond uh, just the students. Now, now we're talking about investing in leading parents more effectively. Now we're talking about how do we, I mean, really, this goes even beyond that. Like, how do we go come alongside uh, the schools and those others in the community that are that are all we're all trying to navigate this and navigate this generation together? Um, yeah. And so, I think I think there's just uh, there's with the increased challenge comes an increasing need to make sure that we are uh, 
like Chris said, bringing our A game and we're doing so intentionally. Yeah. Well, hey, Brooke, uh, not, not to put you on spot here. Is there, uh, and we kind of talked about this before, so I'm not exactly putting you on spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for, uh, we've talked a lot about this research. There's a book here, obviously, that we're referencing. I mean, Chris is referencing page numbers, so he's super smart. Um, willing to give one of those away to a listener by chance? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'd love to share it. So this is our Gen Z, who is Gen Z report. Um, we'd love to share that with, uh, with one of your listeners. Do, do Jody and I both yeah. have it? It's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's so and I'll tell you what else is good. And, I, and I, I'm going to tell you, Brooke, I have no idea what the rules are on this, but you can look. As long, I mean, I always, I always like acknowledge where I get the info from, you know, but like you can share this kind of info when you're standing in front of parents or you're like doing a talk or drop a little totally. stat, like yes. a stat in an email and say, yeah, I got this from the Gen Z book. It do. You look so smart. Like, I mean, it's like, hey, I'm totally an expert on coding Barna. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I really, I mean, honestly, I would really encourage pastors not just to read it for their own purposes, but to read it and share it. That's exactly what I mean about equipping parents. If you can get up to speed on what's different for this generation and share that with parents yeah, and totally. you become their educator, that's fantastic. That's really great for them, too. I, I just, I like the way the book is laid out as well. Oh, yeah, it's um, good. And so it's not not just uh you know reading information like the great statistics you know charts laid out super super clearly so it's really easy to navigate and kind of discern what's being said and the information there so it's a great resource so um chris what do you want to do you want to have them go to we'll put a post go to the facebook page facebook page no 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 group page group the super secret podcast that's it uh and uh, we'll have a post on there and you can comment and just acknowledge that you listened. And maybe, maybe how about not just listen to something they learned? Yeah, well, we don't make it to you. If you just write it, I'll show Grace. Jody might be hard. If you just say, I listened to at least some of it, like I, I will enter you in the drawing. We want to get this out there. So uh, acknowledge you're alive. That's great. Uh, Brooke, any other there resources you you'd like that, that you guys... And I have another yeah. one, like actually in my lap right now, that I think is super awesome as well, which is Barna Trends, uh, oh, twenty eighteen. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. it's super good. That's a good. Does, that come, out, does that come out every year? And I probably should know that, but does that come out every year? Um, roughly, yeah. It has the last two for sure, and yeah. then we've got so much new other stuff. We may actually not do it this year, but maybe the year after. So, yeah, um, roughly every year. But it's a, it's kind of like a compilation of everything that we've studied in the year. So it's a good, good. yearbook. Um, there's some, some really good, um, studies that we are doing and have done on, uh, spiritual conversations. And so, um, be on the lookout for that one. It's actually going to come out in, in, um, January. We'll have one on basically evangelism, but there was one this past year called spiritual conversations and they both deal with talking about faith. Um, they're, you know, they address people of all ages, but what's interesting is you have to think about the context of talking about faith. Uh, when people are younger, because that's when it really starts to plant those seeds that stay forever. So those are good ones too. Um, I would say in terms of Gen Z though, uh, for those who, who may not win the, the prize drawing for the book, <laughs> um, you can go to a website that we set up for this. So we partnered with Impact 360 and they're also a great resource yeah, um, for kind of helping your kids kind of ground their worldview in the Bible. 
Um, they have summer programs. They have a gap year program for college students. It's fantastic. Um, boy, they know their stuff. They have great resources on their website as well. But they also have a website called Who is Gen Z, um, where you can see some of the highlights of it. You can um, find the book itself uh, and, and purchase a copy if you don't win the drawing. Um, so I would go there and check that out. And then one other resource I would recommend for parents that's also a great uh, resource for ministry leaders, for schools, um, is a group called AXIS, A-X-I-S. And they have all these different, um, they have a number of different resources, but what, what I love are these little mini books they do, um, these guides, they call them, to specific topics. So like if I'm dealing with the issue of pornography with my child, or if I think that I might need to, let me get up to speed on this. So they're, they're topically driven. They even have one on Fortnite, I think. <laughs> um, they're really good at like hitting what is what is bubbling in the, the teen culture right now and, and equipping parents and educators and youth ministry leaders to address those topics in a biblical manner. So that's also a great resource. That's so good. Well, Brooke, thanks again uh, for giving up some time and coming on. Uh, I think we could spend forever talking about this and uh, it's definitely a generation that we care about or passionate about and, want to see, man, we just want to see God do just a tremendous work in their life. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, we big time appreciate your time. And it's, and I tell you, Brooke, it's also, you know, Jody, and I've been doing this long enough to, to, to know you clearly have a heart for teenagers and mm-hmm. especially, you know, having a daughter, you know, that's, um, that's now in teenage or almost in teenage world. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it, it definitely, you can tell this is something and it, it, it came out in the interview. So thanks so much for, for your time. It's, it's, this has been a good one for sure. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Um, I think, uh, Chris, unless you have any more random questions or anything that you want to throw out at the very end or no, I think I did enough wheels off during the interview. So I'm good. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Brooke, uh, thanks again. I'm sure we'll talk again in the future and, uh, Thanks for all the work you guys are doing over at Barnum. We really appreciate it. Oh, it is our pleasure. Thank you. All right. Well, we will catch you later. Okay. Thank you very much. Cool. Man, that was good. So good. Mm -hmm. So good. You know what's funny is so obviously I I was there, like I said at the beginning, uh, with with Brooke on that panel. And then obviously we had the interview that we did here. And then I went back through as I was editing – the interview and listening and I'm like taking notes again. I'm like adding to my notes um, just from listening, re-listening to, to it and just, man, I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot she said that. And then pulled out the book today as well. I was looking through that with uh, a couple of youth workers that were around. And so it's just good, man. Just good. I'm so grateful for, for, for them and what they do at the partner group. Yeah. They've really been doing it a long time, man. And you, you can trust, their stuff. I mean, you know, I, it, it doesn't mean they're, they nail it and get it right every single time. Obviously nobody can, but like, I feel like over the years, man, most of the time they're, they're nailing it and you can trust this stuff. And, and I'll tell you what, that, that Gen Z book, man, like it, it will make you look smart with your youth workers. Like, I mean, you get so many good quotes out of that thing and, so uh, it's worth it if you don't win. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'll make you look really smart. Yeah, You should is. always do so, things to make uh, you look really smart. Yeah, beautiful. All right, bro. Cool. Well, man, I appreciate you. 
Yes, sir. Hey, make sure you head over to YM360 again. Be sure to use the promo code LONGERHAUL. Save yourself 20% on that. Head over to the show notes page at thelongerhaul.com slash episode 074. A bunch of links that she dropped there towards the end and different resources. And then, of course, go over to Facebook, like the page, join the group, and comment on uh, the post for this episode that you listened, and uh, we'll draw names. And uh, maybe you'll win the book. It's great. So, you good? I'm good, my friend. Looking forward to a weekend coming up. And um, I'm ready, bro. It's going to be good. Cool. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com. 